Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friend, Corey, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727 727- 501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. You may be owed some money. After 911 and 411, call 541. That's 727-541-1741. Call Gulfstream Motorsports for a diminished value report. Due to my 28 years experience in the auto salvage business, I'm very good with wrecks. So if your car's been involved in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for the lost value of your repaired vehicle. And visit us at GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Publisher of Sports Car Market and American Car Collector, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, 
welcome. You're tuning in to Nostalgic Radio Cars, and I'm your show host, Robert. Run your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see us live here in the studios in downtown Clearwater. Don't forget to check out our website, GolfStreamMotorsports.com, where you can find out all about us, and if you miss any of our 502 shows, go to our archive page, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Good evening, Tommy. 502 virus-free shows. <laughs> uh, where's my spray? Oh, darn, and I running. And running, yeah, right. Well, you know, we're, we're coming up on uh, 10 years in May. 10 years. Now, if you had asked me this, of course, I said this before, but if you asked me this 10 years ago, who knew? You know, I mean, you just kind of plug out. I mean, we've been pretty religious. We do our show one hour a week. We try to stay consistent. We try to give you... Guys, a little taste of what some of the most fascinating, legendary guys in the motorsports world are like. And uh, hopefully we keep the show kind of uh, entertaining. And, uh, you know, it's a, we have a cross-section of people. You know, we have, like, like last week we had Jane Leno. The week before that, I think we had Bobby Rahal. A couple weeks before that, we had L- Lauren uh, Fix out of... And these are all, you know, notable car people, especially Jane Leno. And... Uh, and then, of course, you know, we have sometimes we just have the average car guy around here, just car enthusiasts like myself or some of my local friends that uh, are car guys. And uh, so, uh, you know, because the, the car hobby crosses um, all walks of life, you know. So whether you've got the, you know, $70, 80000000 million Ferrari 250 GTO or you got that, uh, you know, that basic little 1965 Mustang uh, six-cylinder, three-speed coop that uh you know was in your family for 60 70 years and uh it's uh, it's a family heirloom and it's it's all about the car I, I tell people this all the time it's whatever puts a smile on your face and you're gonna see more and more that people are kind of getting more and more into the driver quality cars you know because the problem is is if the cars are too nice and they're show cars you just can't really enjoy them and of course now with the circumstances that are going on um I think it's a good time to get out and drive. I mean, you, you talk about practice social distancing, you know, uh, you get in your car and take one of your best friends with you, your girlfriend, your wife, your kids, your family, whatever, and just drive around a little bit. I mean, you know, just have a good time. It's kind of relaxing. It's enjoying. Particularly if you head north out of Pinellas County and you go up towards Citrus County or Hernando County or Lake County or any other county but Pinellas County because we are Landlocked County. In fact, that's what they should change the name to, Pinellas Landlocked County. What do you think about that, Tommy? That would be correct. Yeah. Well, gas not, prices are cheap, too, to take a ride. Well, you know, that's kind of interesting. You know, you would think that, yes, gas prices are between $1.70 $1.80. Okay. But that's regular gas. Those of us that have, and I'm wearing my Got Diesel shirt tonight, you know, diesel hasn't come down. The cheapest I found was up in uh, on Little Road, corner of US-19 and Little Road. It's a $2.35 or $0.39, whatever it is. And for the most part, it's still $2.50, $2.55. That's a lot for diesel. But, you know, the trucks, all the trucks run on diesel. Every bit of transportation, all your products that go in and out of your stores, you know. So, And what people don't realize is diesel has the highest percentage of road tax. I mean, you know, the, if they were to average it out on gas, um, you know, gas would be 4 bucks a gallon. So they take it and offset it and throw it on diesel, and then, you know, we bear the, co- the brunt of it, so to speak. So... Yeah, that's an issue a little bit in my book, but nonetheless, get out, drive your cars, have fun, ride your motorcycle, you know, head out for the country. And uh, since you can't go to the beach anyway, so, you know, I mean, they got everything in lockdown. Pretty interesting situation, pretty interesting times we're going through right now. we got a friend of mine coming on here in a little bit. He's also a diehard car and shoe enthusiast. Uh, he was involved in his uh, TV show here a while back, and uh, so he's uh, going to give us kind of an idea of what's going on in the South Florida so that we uh, kind of, you know, we're all in this game together. So, you know, now's a good time to finish up your hobbies. Now's a good time that if you kind of quarantine and you have the uh, financial wherewithal, finish your project cars, buy a project car. I have a couple of project cars for sale, by the way. You need to go to my uh, website and you'll find out all about them. I got an MGB GT, I got an MGB uh, Roadster, I got a couple of Mustang convertibles, vintage stuff, all vintage stuff. And I got tractor trailer loads of parts. So, should be able to help you out here one way or the other. Uh, if nothing else, just buy a whole bunch of parts and weld them all together and create your own car art. What do you think about that, Tommy? That's a good idea. 
you know, that's that used to be something I saw. In fact, if you go to Renegers, if you go to Moultrie, you go to some of the big car shows, a lot of guys are doing it. It's some pretty creative stuff. And then, of course, they have this thing called steampunk, which is basically using nuts and bolts and, you know, wire and, and, and some pipe and tubing and just whatever else they can throw together, maybe a valve cover or two. And, you know, just create, just let your creative juices fly. You know, let them do their thing, you know, just weld something up or bondo something up or uh, liquid nail something up or uh, what's that other thing they have? Uh, what's that? JB Weld? No, there's one that's uh, liquid nail. That's it. <laughs> liquid nail. And then your fingers never come apart. And um, so you never get that stuff off either. No, I have. Uh, I've tried that before. And, you know, outside of taking a few layers of skin, you know, it uh, it doesn't come off real easy. I mean, my shoes, you know, the shoes that you buy today are, you know, and and I'm pro America. So I'm kind of like never have been on this China kick thing. And as far as I'm concerned, things should be made in America. We should be buying American and we should keep it kind of local. And uh, so the businesses can prosper. In fact, I said that a long time ago. I mean, there's no need to go to the internet. You just, everything you need is local. I mean, you can just you know hop in your car, drive, go someplace, although I know circumstances are a little weird right now. But everything is local if you need it, if you hunt it down. By the way, speaking of local, a big shout out to our good friends over there at Rib Shack Barbecue and the Great American Takeout returns again. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day. So go check out the Rib Shack Barbecue in Largo. They're 426. It's a really easy number to remember. 426 West Bay Drive. You can uh, order on Uber Eats or Bite Squad and... uh, they will deliver. So don't forget the Rib Shack Barbecue. And, you know, again, you're patronizing a local business here, you know, keeping the local guys alive. And then, uh, you know, uh, well, let's see. Quarantine your car. The car hobbyist guide to social distancing with your classic car. Yeah. Well, that means basically you should be hanging out with your car. It's a good time for you and your car to bond. Don't you think there, Tommy? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think so. Bonding with my Jeep earlier this week. Did you really? Okay, did you bond with like Gave soap? Give it a nice wash. I should say soap and water. <laughs> I have to disinfect my car right now, you know. But um, Right down to the door jams. Right down to the door jam. You know, it's funny, um, you know, strange things occur all the time. But the other day I was over at the uh, warehouse complex and I was uh, tossing out some garbage. And I noticed some guy left a, a motorcycle seat a seat cover, and then there's this piece of aluminum that's like all by its little old lonesome just sitting there in the driveway in front of the dumpster. And I thought, wow. Now, I don't know how it got there. It was all by itself. It was damaged. It was a Holly carburetor. So, you know, I'm a car guy, so I obviously I'm inquisitive, and I thought, hmm, why is that still sitting there with everybody that walks in and out of this you know, where the dumpster area is, nobody bothered picking it up, nobody bothered scrapping it, nobody, you know, paid any attention to it. So I did. I walked over, I picked it up, I looked at it, and uh, the float bowls caught my eye right away, and it was a vintage Ford-style float bowl. Well, guess what? It wound up in the back of my car. A little later, I brought it home, took a little steel wool, polished the horn. Now, the horn was crushed, so I can't really tell whether somebody drove over it, busted it, threw it, or whatever they did. You know, it's an old carburetor, so it doesn't mean much. And on the horn, on a Ford carburetor, it'll have like C1, uh, AE, 9510-BF, you know, BJ, AR, AM, something like that. It'll have that. So that generally denotes the application. And then below it is a list number. And the list number could be 2823, could be 4150, could be uh, 3229, um, 1850. It could have a number of different numbers on it. That usually denotes the style of the carburetor, whether it's a 600, a 450, a 500, a 750, a 780, and so on and so on and so on. So I cross-referenced the, the list number, and I kind of knew just by looking at it it was a 600 i couldn't make out the two uh the the year the c1 c2 c3 d1 d2 d3 or whatever i knew it was an early 60s carburetor just by the style of it and um um because that part of the the horn was mashed but the 9510-am was still there so i cross-referenced the carburetor now the carburetor's boogered up I kind of left it the way it was. But in cross-reference it, as it turns out, it's a 1961-62. This is the application. 
390 horse, 390 Ford, which would be, you know, their solid lifter motor back in the day, or a 390 horse 406 with a single four barrel. So here's a little rare treasure. Now, there are companies that can recondition that because the metering block on the car apparently is correct. Everything on the, on the thing looks original. So, But there's, again, you know, it's like one man's junk is another man's treasure. And I used to have a sign posted in my uh, on my shop, in my, in my salvage yards. I used to have it posted on the wall. And it said exactly that. One man's junk is another man's treasure. I mean, I, I still can't refrain from driving down the road if somebody's throwing out a washing machine or dryer or whatever, and I got my truck with me, beep, on the back it goes, and then I just kind of put it in a little stockpile, and then at the end of the month I run a little load of scrap, and it's just just one of those things. On that note, I think uh, Tommy's going to fire up the stereo system because we got a little music for you. And I haven't played any Bill Joel before, but uh, given the circumstances, and we didn't, as Tommy, I'm going to quote Tom, we didn't start the virus. Billy Joel says we didn't start the fire. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Don't touch that doll. We'll be right back. McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studebaker, Television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. Brews in Tampa Bay at Dunedin Brewery. Known as Florida's oldest microbrewery, they are always working to create a unique variety of craft beers for every taste. In addition, Dunedin Brewery features a full menu, including everything from their famous wings, burgers, salads, flatbreads, and more. Don't forget about their live music, including the Wednesday Night Players Jam. That's Dunedin Brewery, 937 Douglas Avenue in downtown Dunedin. Visit them online at dunedinbrewery.com. Looking for car shows? Then look no further than FLACarshows.com. On your computer or on your mobile device, FLACarshows.com is a comprehensive list of automotive events plus videos and news articles. Whether you're looking for car shows, cruise-ins, meetups, automotive festivals, cars and coffees, or anything else relating to an internal combustion engine, then this is a site for you. Check it out online or on your phone at FLACarshows.com. Okay, we're back, and you tune into Nostalgic Radio Cars. Yep. And we're talking about cars. Now, uh, normally we do a FLA or Florida Car Show Minute. Um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of stuff going on because a lot of shows have been canceled. That's why I said it's just, you know, all right, so fine. You know, my mom always taught me when I was a little kid, uh, if you're dealt lemons, turning into lemonade. So that's why I said just get out there. Now's a good time, a good time. And I am doing this. I am actually practicing what I preach. I am fixing up my little turds. I've been sitting around in the garage forever. I actually fired up. I have. T- uh, you guys know I'm a Ford guy, right? Um, I have these two nasty old Camaros that I've had forever and ever and ever. And I got them kind of in a peculiar way because one belonged to a friend of mine he get bought it for his kid it's a 78 z28 factory four-speed non-t-top car so it is collectible and uh he the kid kept getting tickets with it and this father came to me one day and said robert i need you to buy this car and i said i don't buy chevrolets and uh, i junk them and uh because <laughs> i was in the wrecking yard business this is this actually isn't uh, i'm gonna say mid 80s or something like that and uh, he kept bugging me, bugging me, bugging me. He says, just take it. Get it out of here. Pay me when you can. I said, all right. So, I don't know. Eventually, I paid him off for it or traded or whatever we did. And then the other car that I ended up with was a 74Z28. 
factory four-speed, fairly original car and everything like that, but very, very edgy, okay? This was a rough, edgy piece. Came from, I'm not sure where, the Dakotas or something like that. I mean, when you close the door, the door closes twice and the dog leg rattles and everything like that. But the roof's solid, the floorboards are solid, but every piece of sheet metal on it is rotten. But it, ha but it is an original yellow 74Z28 four-speed air car, as in the case of the 78. And both cars, because I'm a Ford guy, I removed all the Chevrolet emblems and put Ford badges on them. Yes, I did that. And even though they're original motored cars, people always go, hmm, is there a Ford under the hood? I said, 100 bucks on the hood and I'll raise the hood. I'm only gamble 100 bucks, you know, because there's more people that won't do that than, than, than will. So at any rate, and then on the back I have little, I have Calvin wee-weeing on a Chevrolet emblem. So Calvin's on wee-weeing on little Rat Turd 1, that's the yellow car, and then Rat Turd 2 is the blue car. And uh, so, but I actually had to move those cars the other day, and when I did, I decided to throw a battery in it. And this is what's amazing, and, and one of my old Mustangs was the same way. You throw a battery in it, you throw some gar gas in it, and you haven't touched the car in years. Haven't touched the car in years. And my buddy IG, who's our, the resident pharmacist here, uh, has a habit of putting Marvel Mystery Oil, mixing it with the gas a little bit, which is good. It's just kind of, you know, it lubricates it up a little bit. So we threw some gas, spiked with some Marvel Mystery Oil, and, load, and I, of course, I dumped about an ashtray full of it, literally an ashtray, and an old ashtray out of an old Chevy truck, or Ford truck, rather. Poured it in the carburetor right down there, just slopped it all over the place, running down the side of the intake manifold and everything like that. Just made a pig side of it. Fired that bad boy up, and it just went, and then, and idled like a kitten. Did the same thing with the 78Z28, and it repeated the process. We did the same thing with uh, the forklift that had been sitting for ages and ages and ages, and it fired right up. So if you take a car and you basically pickle it, as we say, just leave it alone. Um, if all else fails, obviously you have to you know, check all the fluids and stuff like that. They should fire right up. But I always tell people when you take a car apart, remember what you did so that if you do pick up or resume what you were doing to it, let's say a month later, six months later, a year or two or three or four years later, then you know where you're at. The Ranchero, we threw the battery in it, poured some gas down the carburetor, and boom, it fired right up. So whether it's a Ford, a Chevrolet, or a Mopar, I don't own a Mopar, or at least not one that runs, um, or close to running, uh, they'll run, you know, and just drive them. And you know what? It, like this restoration crap and all this nonsense, that's fine. If you got all the money in the world, do it. But just drive the car, clean it up, tidy it up. Make it so it's presentable, at least to the point where it's putting a smile on your face and have fun. In fact, if a car is edgy, it has more of a story. People kind of gravitate to it and go, hey, that's kind of a cool old car. Where'd you find that? You know, because the barn find thing is, you know, it. You know, I mean, I always go to barnfind.com and there's all kinds of neat stuff on there. Anyway, I think what we're going to do is we're going to fire up the stereo again and we're going to give our uh, guest a call. And uh, But again, you know, here's the perfect time to get your cars running, man. Have some fun with it. Whether it's an old motorcycle, you know. So, here's a little J.J. Kale, Money Talks. You tune into Nostalgia Getting Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Acknowledge, please. 
Acknowledge, please. Where are you? It's okay, Jack. It's not okay. I got a small plane here. I don't know where it is. Jack, a fly landed on your screen. Look, Jack, you've been landing planes for 13 years. Face it, you're burned out. You need this rest. So Jack Chester's taking that lead. Oh, this is great! Renting a beach house. 415, this is it. And getting the family ready for the best month of their lives. Oh, 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 oh. Remember milk, please? Yeah. Thank you. Quiet and secluded. Come on, get out of here. With outstanding facilities. Sit down, relax. All right, all right. Perfectly situated. In a friendly neighborhood. What do you think of these? Similar? I just got them. Who had them before you? <laughs> John Candy's gonna discover what a month in paradise what? Open the door. is all about. Summer rental. <laughs> This is Craig Jackson, Chairman and CEO of Barrett Jackson Auction Company, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back to tune into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and uh, it's time to introduce our special guest. One more thing I forgot to say. While you're also into uh, playing with your car hobby, don't forget, we are talking about music on the show. So grab a guitar, grab a six-string, grab a set of ivories, which is a keyboard, drums, whatever, but... Uh, Pick up a music instrument and practice that. That's kind of fun. So, you know, uh, one of my favorite pastimes, you know, is guitar. But anyway, our special guest this evening is kind of like uh, the man of the South here, where all the car stuff's going on down there in South Florida. He's the former host of The Car Show Television. Good friend of mine, car enthusiast, great stories, and this guy really has a radio voice. I'm delighted to welcome the show this evening, Alex Berry. Alex, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, Robert. Always great to uh, hear your great radio voice as well. So, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? There we go. There we go. So, what's happening down there in uh, South Florida? You guys uh, kind of uh, are guys driving the cars? Well, I'll tell you. Yeah, the guys are driving the cars. Um, you know, there's nothing that's going to stop them from doing that. In fact, uh, one of my good friends has a. Uh, a whole series of mainly Oldsmobile 442s from Ooh. the mid-60s to the early 70s. And uh, I'm talking about, like, um, Thornton restoration cars in Pennsylvania. These are the, you know, 99-point Concours-level cars. Oh, yeah. And uh, he goes over to the it's called Club 66 in Boynton Beach where he keeps them all. And I've been texting him throughout all this and, you know, saying stuff like, uh, how are you enjoying your the apocalypse over there? You know, and he's like... <laughs> Well, I've got a house full of kids, and I, I'm going over to the club to experience social distancing and just be with my cars. So he's like, I've never had a better time with my cars than riding them around. So, um, and I noticed there was a, a post yesterday in, uh, at Meisner Park, a bunch of people from the Palm Beach um, Racing Club um, have their race cars riding around in Palm Beach, too. So it's really perfect because there's very little traffic. If you think about it, <laughs> you're a car guy. And you want to like air it out on I ninety five? This is your shot, baby. Well, now it's funny you mentioned that because I was just talking to an FHP, which is Florida Highway Patrol guy, buddy of mine today, and he was informed or informed me yeah. that the word that's coming down from the top is to, unless the guy's really committing a serious faux pas. You know, like really speeding, um, just let yeah. the guys slide, man, you know. And then even when they pull right. the guys over, they're not even touching their driver's license. They're looking over at it, and they're either taking a picture of it or they're writing the information down on a ticket, and they're basically giving warnings. I mean, it's, uh, you know, so, all right, that's kind of cool, you know. I mean, it's, I think this whole well, thing. Well, not only that, Robert, they're, they're, they're probably also taking selfies of themselves with some of these cars, right? <laughs> well, now that's a possibility too, because yeah, some of these FHB guys are car guys, so you know that's kind of neat. So that's right. that's right, exactly, exactly. So tell us about uh, yourself. I mean, you've uh, you've been around the car stuff for a while. You did the TV show. Tell us a little bit about the TV show and how that kind of worked out there, because that was on for a while, and I guess it's not you're not doing it right now. But you know, things come and things go, and other opportunities uh, present themselves. So tell us a little bit about car show television, how that worked out. Yeah, 
Yeah, sure. Thanks, Robert. And that's exactly, in fact, how we met you. In fact, I remember meeting you um, at Barrick Jackson yep. in Palm Beach um, during our first coverage of that. Um, we were kind of explaining our concept to you. Mm-hmm. But basically, I've been um, I've been in the uh, television production world um, since the. God, I hate to say this and even admit this out loud for fear it's going to expose how old I am. But really, since Reagan was in office, I've been you know, involved in television production, first on the production side and then more on the sales side, um, you know, later on uh, towards my career. And, you know, I just kind of felt around 2013, it started to get a little stagnant. So um, a friend of mine that also worked at one of the TV production companies that I worked at uh, doing graphics and editing and so on, uh, a real uh, great guy, his name is Andrew McClary, and um, he had actually built an electric car in his garage and that's how i sort of rekindled my friendship with him after nine years i'm like wow that's a really cool pro- people need to see this and so we started taking this um it was basically a, a kit car based on the ford gt40 um and he called it the ev gt40 ev meaning electric vehicle obviously mm-hmm. and this thing would go you know zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds and it would you know go 80 miles for uh, I think it was like something like a dollar sixty-two and or three dollars and sixty-two cents worth of energy. You know, it was a really an amazing story of, of kind of American entrepreneurialism, and we realized that the market for that was pretty premature. We were a little early in the marketplace for that. So, but we thought, you know, we've been taking this to car shows, we're meeting all the car people, rather than um, you know, let's do what we know, which is television, and let's create a show. You know, all the other shows. We're all on, you know, kind of uh, Velocity at the time. Before that, it was, you know, Speed Channel, um, Speed Channel, then Velocity. Now it's Motor Trend TV. But, you know, all the all the shows there, not to denigrate it, because I loved a lot of the shows, but they're all reality-based. And, you know, it was always some guy with, you know, a bandana and tattoos and saying, I'm the rootinous, tootinous, you know, <laughs> mechanic on this side of the Mississippi and we're going to build this car in three days and we got a, nothing but a crate of nuts and bolts and a couple of drive trains and a, a you know, and a, a 454, you know, Chevy block engine and it's got to be ready in three days. You know, no mechanic worth their salt knows that, that that's reality, that, that they would ever promise something like that. You know what I mean? So, um, so we just kind of thought, you know, let's, let's, let's do a show that's, directed really to the people that are car enthusiasts that love the cars and let's let the cars be the stars not the talking heads and that's what we did what we did was we called it car show television meaning you know let's go to car shows and we'll create a tv show it was very descriptive kind of frankly in retrospect kind of an unimaginative title but the point was you know we would go out and we would talk to people not everyone was really great on camera but you know we always picked the cars that we thought were, were unique and interesting and know whatever made it on the show hopefully the guy was fairly entertaining and had a good story and certainly the car would but uh we went all over the place and uh with it we we produced it for three years um we were treated like kings and queens everywhere we went we got into pebble beach we got into uh the uh, concord the americas in detroit of course amelia island still has our shows on their homepage. um if you click on videos on ameliaconcord.com you'll see a bunch of car show television. We did a great feature on the Chrysler Turbine car from 1963. Um, and so we had a great run. It was really a lot of fun. It was not a big moneymaker. Um, my business partner had some uh, health concerns with a member of his family, which uh, kind of prevented him from moving forward. And so we parted amicably and um, pursued other things. So since then, I've been hosting other shows. Uh, for example, there's a show called Hidden Treasures, uh, that's going to be airing on Motor Trend Television uh, sometime soon. It's also on a Prime uh, video show where we go to different collections that are kind of nondescript behind closed doors, and then you open the door, and then boom, there's this beautiful collection. And I, I kind of walk people through what the cars are and that type of thing. So, you know, my love of cars, frankly, Robert, is never going to die. It, it was born in me, and uh, ever since I was a kid, I, I just I was wild about cars, always. So that's the that's the story in a nutshell. Tell us about uh, you. You were telling me a little story earlier about uh, going way back to, if I understood you correctly, some of your relatives were involved with uh, some of the cars in the early days, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, uh, I what I did was I just sort of talked to you when we were a little bit off the air there. Mm-hmm. That um, the whole love affair I think with cars started, uh, you know, a long time ago in my family, uh, which dates back, you know, for back to the pre-revolutionary times in this country. Um, I've got a long chain of of ancestors who were transcontinental deep ocean uh, merchant marine captains, meaning that they would sail from Cape Cod, Massachusetts to uh, Chile, to China, to Brazil, to just all over the world, um, you know, getting things, uh, you know, like tea and all kinds of different items that they were doing to, to ship around. Well, when it got to my, my grandfather's age, he was born in 1901. By the time uh, he started to get into his teen years, he skipped a couple of grades. He was one of those math geniuses, which Unfortunately, Robert, I didn't inherit any of that. <laughs> uh, but, but bottom line is he, um, he was chosen um, from, he went to an Ivy League school. And, and at that time, Alfred Sloan, who was the, the, the CEO of General Motors, uh, was formulating something very innovative, which was called the Executive Management Program, where he, where about he would go and he would find young college grads. Um, he started with the first class, was a class of 11 of them handpicked across the country, and my grandfather was one of those handpicked by Alfred Sloan. I don't know what the interview process was. I would love to find, you know, archival details about that, but the bottom line is he was sort of groomed to be a manager, and he was. He traveled all across the Midwest, and he worked with different dealerships and made sure they had everything that they needed. Uh, And my dad was born in Chicago, but they lived in Birmingham. They went to Cleveland, Ohio. They went all over the Midwest. Um, and when my grandfather retired um, in the early 50s, remember, this was post-war America, where mm-hmm. anything with four wheels on it sold at sticker price. So what he did was, um, I think the as a sort of a, a, uh, a, a present for retirement, they gave him um, a Buick dealership, which was the largest Buick dealership in Ohio, called Metropolitan Buick. In, uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, and then he also got himself a, a Chevy dealership because he saw how much money it was making. Mm. Um, and so he made more money in retirement um, with these dealerships uh, than he did in, in the executive management program at General Motors, uh, working corporately out of Detroit. So my dad had a brand-new Buick, you know, every month in college. You can imagine that in the huh. 50s, having a brand-new car every month. It's like, oh, yeah, I got the Super 8 this month, you know, kind of a thing. It's like kind of pretty crazy but um but i remember as a kid you know he bought around the time i was born um let's just say during the kennedy administration um he bought himself a uh a rolls royce silver cloud and um i recall my brother and i driving around in that and you know we were so young we just you'd sit back in this amazing kind of you know Connolly leather and you could smell the mahogany and the glass and just the silence of it and everything. It was we called it the "Oh Boy" car because there was nothing else like it. Like "Oh Boy, Oh Boy," we had to ride in this car, and you know. So the, the 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 seeds were planted early. Let's just put it that way, Robert. So um, I never looked back, and even as a kid, I could point to car Buick, Pontiac, Oldsmobile, you know, Studebaker. I knew all the car. I could just glance at a car and know, you know, within a year or two, what year, but definitely the make and the model of what that car was. So it was. I'm, I'm an absolute wellspring of useless information. So when you grew up, did you grow up in Ohio then, or where are you from originally? What state? Or are you Floridian? Yeah, yeah. I, my, my, uh, I grew up the uh, first 10 years of my life in Ohio. Um, my father, was, interestingly enough, was a uh, nationally syndicated uh, political cartoonist. He had a strip called uh, Barry's World, hence my last name, B-E-R-R-Y. Really? Uh, Barry's World was syndicated in about 800... 800- yeah, yeah, it was syndicated in about 800 newspapers across the... Here's an interesting sidebar, Robert. Yeah. Um, his dad, my grandfather, the one with the dealerships, really wanted him to work for him and made him the sales manager. So here my dad was, fresh out of college. He was, wasn't really a sales mentality type of a guy, and he was sort of forced to preside over a team of, you know, 10 salesmen, most of whom were in their 30s, you know, much older than, than my dad at the time. And my dad just hated it, um, but he was making good money. In 1959, my brother was born, and by 61, my mom was pregnant with me, and my dad quit 
his job making something like 26000 a year, which is like 190000 by today's standards. And he took a job at the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper uh, making $6,000 a year with uh, a, one and a, a two-year-old and a, a, a child about to be born. So it was a pretty risky thing for him to do, but uh, he worked in the art department of the newspaper. Uh, he worked on the cartoon strip at night, and he kept pitching it and pitching it and pitching it. Finally, they accepted it. Next thing you know, it started going crazy. It was in Time magazine by 1966. Uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson asked him out to the ranch for a week because he was sort of considered a young, upcoming, you know, influential kind of... This is before the Internet, when the newspaper was what formed opinion in the day. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was cool. He was uh, he had a nineteen sixty four and a half uh, black uh, Mustang convertible um, with oh. a black interior, black top. Two years later, he traded traded it in for a nineteen sixty six Mustang convertible with a red a red one with a black interior and black top. And then my daily driver growing up in high school was something he bought new, which was a nineteen seventy one Plymouth Barracuda convertible. Oh, um, unfortunately, he only had the three eighteen engine in it, um, but. Uh, so I grew up in Washington, D.C. We moved when I was 10 because my dad's career was taking off, and his syndication company in New York wanted him to be closer to the action in Washington, D.C. So I went to schools in the Washington, D.C. area, and he worked from a studio at home. So my daily driver was a 1971 Plymouth Barracuda, which is not too shabby. You know what I mean? No, no, no. Did you uh, manage to keep that car, though? That's the question. You know, I... I, the funny thing, Robert, is I found pic- the last known pictures of it. We had sort of bashed it in. This is in 1980, 81. And between my brother and I, who had gone through senior year and all the wild times in the 70s, you know, it bumps and scrapes, and there were bushes caught in the grill. And, you know, we did all kinds of crazy things back in those days. We, we didn't know any better, you know. And I think my dad paid some guy 50 bucks to haul it away. But, I mean, oh. I'm telling you, I would give... Any, you can almost name the body part. I would uh, gladly chop it off <laughs> and have that car back. Um, um, I, I know this is a family show, Robert, but I, I want to. No, no, no. Say I, I, I really, really miss that car. I could. I just. <laughs> I remember just the visceral feel of that. I remember. I remember in the in the late seventies going out and getting a Jensen stereo head unit and putting in for the crappy thing that they had in there and putting the pioneer speakers in the back and oh gosh it was just it was i was just heaven on earth you know so those were the days tell me more about uh your dad's political career how does that now how now how did that basically work so in other words could he was he kind of like uh instructed by politicians right through or did he have or the the editor of the of the paper or did he have free run to kind of sh- kind of imply his, you know, uh, impose his opinion. I guess that's the word I'm looking for. I mean, how does that work? I've often wondered about political cartoons. Yeah, yeah, it's the latter, not the former. In fact, um, and that's why they hire someone is because of their point of view and how they influence people. And, you know, my my father was never the kind of, um, you know, he would never take dirty, you know, pot shots at people and all that type of stuff. It was always tongue-in-cheek, and he was an equal opportunity offender. I mean, he would skewer <laughs> the left as much as he would skewer the right. Um, and, um, and, but no, it was, the, it was his vision, his sense of humor is what people bought. So he was kind of the king of the guys that, uh, that would have a cartoon strip that would be taped on someone's uh, refrigerator or taped on, because it, it was a single panel. It was like a one panel, what they call a sight gag. It would be a single image oh, okay. and then a, like a five to seven word caption underneath it. And so I would go to cash registers in Colorado when I was 16 and there would be, you know, one of my old man's cartoons taped to the cash register. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty ubiquitous. I mean, it was everywhere. I mean, it was, it was, you know, he had sort of a, almost a minor celebrity at the time because, um, you know, people knew who he was, but, um, so it was kind of like the he far was a great guy. He was, he was, he was a car guy, but he, the Hello? far side. Yeah, yeah. It was Gary Cut. Larson did the far side. The far side was a lot more um, observational, sort right. of everyday humor rather than political. And right. uh, it was and it was almost kind of psychedelic humor in some ways, and which I loved. I, I've always loved the, the far side. 
But, you know, I mean, at the time you know, when my mom was pregnant with me and my brother was a year and a half old, and my dad decided to go become a cartoonist and launch a cartoon strip, he didn't know at the time, my mom didn't know at the time, that there, there were only 110 people in the country making a living as a cartoonist at that time. So um, if he had known that, they would have gone right back to the dealership and worked for, you know, my grandfather selling Chevys and Buicks, you know. So, um, so a little interesting life course history there. Um, so that, that kind of took an interesting twist. So then how did you get into uh, TV? I figured, would, was, did your grandfather still have the dealerships, and did you was there an opportunity there for you to jump in there, or was that all long gone by then? My, my grandfather died by the time I was five years old, oh, okay. um, and he had long since sold the dealership, so that wasn't really a part of the picture anymore. Uh, my dad wasn't interested in it because his career was just skyrocketing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he was doing really well for himself. Um, and so... Um, so, bottom line, I was interested in the fact that my dad was involved in media. Okay. Um, but, you know, in the 80s, um, newspaper newspaper was kind of a media that, um, you know, I was less interested in. I did a cartoon, you know, for the high school and for my college paper in North Carolina and so on, and it was well-received. But I, I, you know, I didn't have the talent to draw. Um, you got to figure the number of people that have that level of talent to draw like that um, is an incredibly small uh, number of people. So, but I thought, you know, I would really like to merge the notion of, you know, hot media. And at the time, MTV was breaking and all that. And of course, if you were a teenager or in your, you know, late teens, early 20s, and MTV was breaking, you know, I was thinking, how can I merge creativity, you know, with making money? And being in television and producing innovative stuff, you know, that was a time of, of real innovation. And so I got into television production at the time, and it didn't take long before I realized that um, people that can produce television are, you know, not uncommon. Um, it's the people that can make it rain that is really um, what's more valuable. So I sort of transitioned from there and got more into the sales side of things. Uh, but uh, but always with the love of cars, I had a I had a... Gosh, I had what cars did I have? I had a 1966 Plymouth Sport Fury convertible with a 383. Um, I had a 1971 Buick Skylark custom convertible, royal blue with a white interior and a white top. Um, I had a 1966 Chrysler 300 convertible. I had a 1965 um, AMC Rambler with a three on the tree. If you remember those, oh yeah. (laughs) Um, So you know. So I had some cool cars, and then, you know, life kind of took it, you kind of went on, and next thing I know, I'm married, next thing I know, I got a mortgage, next thing I know, I got kids, and, you know, the cool cars sort of evaporated, and suddenly there was a minivan in my parking, you know, in my driveway, and, and um, you know, sort of struggling to make it and kind of move up the, the ladder. The only thing I really have that's cool now is a 1969 uh, dune buggy, Volkswagen dune buggy, um, just like from the... Uh, from the TV series with those big uh, animals, remember back in the day? Oh yeah, um, oh yeah, oh yeah. I, I can't, I'm blanking on I'm I'm blanking on the name of it, but uh, they'd always ride around in dude buggies. Well, kind of like um, speed buggy and stuff like that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Well, now, yeah, hey, exactly. Like speed buggy, exactly, exactly. Mars Manx, you know, and all that kind of cool stuff. You know, that was the hot thing. Of course, I grew up in California, so for me, that cars were everywhere, and dune buggies were everywhere too, because we're out off the coast, but. Uh, we got a minute or two left. Tell us about right, some of the right. events that yeah. you uh, you host. Now, what's the one down at uh, Mar Largo? What's that one called? Well, that one would have happened uh, two weekends ago, and it was supposed to be it would have been the sixth annual the Palm event. Mm-hmm. And the Palm event sort of merges um, wine, great food, and classic cars with race cars in a beautiful backdrop with sort of a more of a upper crusty kind of a Palm beach feel to it. Mm-hmm. It starts off with a party at the Royal Poinciana Plaza on Friday night. Then there's a, uh, an, like an exclusive uh, vintage rally during the day where everyone drives through Palm beach. And then it's followed on Sunday in the field. Um, it was, in fact, it was a weekend after Amelia Island, I believe. So, okay. um, so needless to say, because of this crazy coronavirus stuff, that was, postponed so we're looking at dates in the future possibly december 6th to redo that one but uh that's the main one that i host uh, i occasionally go to a few other car shows i've asked to host or mc and you know give out awards that type of thing which is fun uh but i, I know the crowd here everyone's 
going crazy. They've got like virtual car shows now in the Facebook community for people in this area. And it's a vibrant, active community in South Florida, as you know, Robert. You've been here many times. Mm-hmm. Well, the car culture down there is is I would say every bit as strong as Southern California. I mean, you know, it's a little different, it's a different makeup than Southern Cal, because Southern Cal's more high rods down your way. A little bit more high-end cars, particularly supercars, are huge in South Florida. Fair to say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the supercars, yeah, very much fair to say. You've you pegged it. I mean, that's really – it's an interesting kind of dichotomy because you've got, like, the, the supercar crowd, which are great. These are all great guys. You know, we got Lamborghini Broward with Floyd Rag, Ferrari Palm Beach, and all the people over there we're friends with, and um, even the Lamborghini Palm Beach um, – McLaren just opened up a dealership here, and, and there's a, a really, you know, again, think about it. The climate year-round is perfect for driving your car. The wealth here is, is staggering, uh, so they can <laughs> afford to buy these cars. And, you know, there's all there's these amazing collections. I mean, every every three miles you go somewhere, there's a warehouse, and someone's got $50 million worth of cars in there. It's amazing. Unbelievable. Now, the uh, what about that? There's a Cars and Coffee there. we got about a minute left. And it's uh, what uh, Palm Beach Cars and Coffee there it takes place in some right off ninety five in some big shopping center. I was there one time many many years years ago. Yeah, I was at the first one. It was at a Dunkin' Donuts off Gateway Road in Boynton Beach, and it had eighty two cars. Um, and since then, it's grown to be the largest monthly car show in the United States of America. And it's wow. run by a friend of mine named John Zelenga. Uh, who's been on the car scene for a long time, and he just built it really through social media. Done a great job, and it's got. There's something there for everybody. Uh, I mean, from the highest of the high to a guy with a you know 1992 Chevy S10 pickup where he just got new rims on it. You know, just something for everybody. That's incredible. Yeah, we'll have to do that. So it's a month. And how many cars would you say show up at that particular event? Uh, I'm sorry, I left that out. I should have told you that. Um, on the high end, they've had. 5,500 cars, and on the low end, they've had like uh, 2,500, 3,000 cars, somewhere in there. So That's it depends mine. on whether it's raining, and you know, there are a lot of different factors. 5,000 cars? That's Yeah, I mean, think of the turkey rod run, gets 6,000 cars, you know what I mean? So this, he gets that number, almost that number of cars every month. So it's, it's really an extraordinary testament to what's going on here in Palm Beach County, and really in Southeast Florida, uh, because they show up from Orlando, they show up from Georgia for this event because it, it draws so much attention. Wow. Alex, we're up against the clock. I want to thank you very much for uh, hanging out with us here at Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Uh, we'll bump into each other after this is all done. You never know. Everybody's driving around. You might might uh, might, might wave hands, say hi on the, on the interstate someplace, so you never know. It was fun seeing you in SEMA in Vegas last November, and I hope to see you again sometime in the near future. Okay. Well, take care, Alex. Good luck to you guys down there. Have fun driving your cars and tell everybody else to do the same. In the meantime, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in. And uh, special again, uh, again, special thanks to my good friend Alex Berry out of South Florida. Uh, don't forget, Rib Shack Barbecue. You can order Uber Eats, Bites, all that stuff. Uh, hey, drive your cars. Pick up a musical instrument. I'd like to say I'd like to see some of the car shows, but maybe I'll just see you on the road someplace. So there's a lot of cool roads out there to explore. In the meantime, everybody, stay safe. Drive carefully. Don't forget to tune in here every Tuesday night for the Tan Talk Radio Network for the most fascinating legendary names in motorsports. And love your family. WTAN, Clearwater. FM 106.1. WDCF, Dade City. FM 102.3. WZHR, Zephyr Hills. FM 104.3. Listen. Special report.